we'll take a moment to pray, okay? All right, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're with us here now, and you'll make these letters on a page come to life, and regardless of your vessel, I pray they'd hear your voice, and I pray you just speak to all those who have open hearts. I pray that's the way uh, everyone would be here tonight, and uh, I just thank you for your goodness towards us, and we receive it from you in Jesus' name. Amen. How to start this off, I imagine that everybody has in their own mind a picture of, of God and what he's like now since we've been walking with the Lord. But before we got saved, we all had some idea or concept in our mind um, what God was like. I feel, at least for me, it was very... Uh, distorted because it wasn't based on the word. It was based on my friends, uh, family, people that I respected. And I didn't really hear much about, back then we called him just God. Uh, I was raised Catholic. If this makes sense to you, my impression of God when I thought about him was a man standing up there with his arms crossed and just, I guess because I was wicked, but just waiting for me to mess up. I had no concept. I'd never heard anything about salvation or uh, crying out to the Lord. It was just do things and don't do things. And so that's how I was raised, and I usually didn't do things. So uh, I picture God with an iron fist just waiting to hammer me. After I got saved, all that changed um, as I started reading the Bible and hearing messages and being around people who were really born again and had, had a relationship with the Lord. What I'm like to share is a side of our Heavenly Father, that maybe in some way will encourage us in our relationship with Him. And also, in what I'm going to share, I'm hoping that we can see in this passage, uh, there's three characters in there, and maybe we'll see one, maybe two, or maybe all three um, in us. Let's turn to um, Luke 15, please. In Luke 15... Jesus is speaking. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Basically, what he, what he has done, he's given us three parables in this chapter. All three parables are basically saying the same thing. It's, it's showing the joy in heaven over a sinner that repents. All three of them do that. I'm not going to read the first two. I'll just, if I can, just summarize them quick. The first parable, we have the man who has the hundred sheep, and one of them strays off. And it says that that man leaves his 99 and he goes out searching for the one that was lost in the wilderness. And it says he stays after it until he finds it. He doesn't give up on him. So I don't know what that time was, but that's painting a picture. I think you can see. And it says once he found the sheep, he throws him on his shoulders, runs, runs home, calls all his friends and his neighbors. And he, he wants them to rejoice with him, right? So... Then Jesus says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than the 99 just people. The second, I'm sorry, the uh, second parable is the um, lost coin. It's the same, same picture. We've got a, a woman who's had 10 coins. She loses one. And uh, in, my, in my, uh, my mental picture of that, I see her kind of frantic. And even if the sun goes down, she's got her light and she is sweeping the house, moving things, because that coin is a big deal to her. And she finally, when she does finally 
find the coin. She does the same thing. She calls her friends and her neighbors and asks them to come and rejoice with her because she found that lost coin. And Jesus said, likewise, I say unto you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. So I think you can see in both of those examples, um, I won't say the heart of God because the, the Father hasn't even been brought up yet, but this is just what goes on in heaven uh, when any of us, uh, when we got saved or, you know, if we were backslid and you get your heart right. So the last, but the, what I'm going to focus on is um, the prodigal son. And I'm actually going to read that if, um, if you guys would like to read along with me. It starts in verse 11. It says, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, forget, uh, father give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I'll say unto him, Father, I have sinned against thee, against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So he arose and he came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and he ran, fell on his neck, and he kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost, and he's found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants, and he asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and sound. <clears throat> and he was angry, and he wouldn't go in. Therefore came his father out, and he entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, Neither transgressed I at any time the commandments. And yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son has come, which has devoured thy living with harlots, you've killed for him the fatted calf. And the father said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive, and he was lost, but now he's found. So what I, what I would like to do is I'm going to take um, or 
take each of these three characters, the older son, the younger son, and the father, and uh, really I'll just be recounting what happened here, but maybe put a little emphasis, more emphasis on each one of them. And uh, maybe we'll see where we are and uh, see how, what the father's like. So, you know, first of all, let's look at the, the younger son. We see him take his inheritance and he heads off to a far country. Uh, what to him is going to be greener pasture. He breaks all ties with his family and he begins to party and use everything that had been gained in his, of his father's on himself in a very selfish way. He, he uh, just goes out and has a big time. He ends up broke, alone. He's feeding pigs. That's his only way he can find in this far country. That's all he can do to try and survive. And he's starving, literally starving. But it says in verse 17 that he comes to his senses or to himself and he sees his hopeless condition. He starts his journey back to the Father to ask forgiveness. You know, he's realized that he sinned against heaven and his Father, and he's hoping just to be taken back as a servant. He, he definitely knew, uh, I think most of us understand this, any of us that are saved, he, he realized his unworthiness. Um, he, he just... He just wanted to be back in the house. He just wanted to, if we could say, he just wanted to go to heaven. Well, that's all of us in this room, so we all qualify for that one. We did at some point. You know, we run from the Father. We want to do our own thing. We think we know what's best for us, and we really have, have no hope in this world without God. But I want us to also think, realize that that's also the backslider. He has no peace or joy while he's running. He's afraid of everything. And he has no confidence in the Lord's promises or his blessings while his heart is turned from the Lord. You know, joy and peace can only come with repentance. David asked the Lord, uh, he, he was forgiven for adultery and, and for murder. And uh, after his sin was exposed and he repents, um, then, then we get Psalm 51. And just one line in there where David asked the Lord to restore unto him the joy of the salvation. And that's just, that's just the way that we're made. Uh, you know, you can't come in here and expect to get have joy and peace or excited and be able to sing some of these songs that glorify God when your heart's far from him. So uh, I, I don't know how much of this I'll say, but, you know, I've been there, done that. Um, I've been walking uh, with the Lord for 30-some years, and I'd love to say that I was always on the mountaintop, but the truth is uh, I also found myself to be uh, not just the... Uh, not just the first character that we're talking about, the younger son who uh, totally lost. We've all been there, but I've also uh, had times of, uh, whether through discouragement or uh, the lust of the flesh, um, 
sat right in here and did like we all just did and went through all the motions. And um, I think most people thought I was okay because I'm pretty deceitful. I was. <laughs> so we can all do that. You know, we can come in here and, and uh, uh, go through the motions. So anyhow, you know, I don't, I don't think we would have ever taken that first step away from God uh, to pursue or enjoy to hold on to our sin if we knew where we'd end up and what it was going to cost us. The wages of sin are death and there's no getting around it. So um, back this prodigal son heads to his father hoping that maybe he doesn't know. See, we read this story and we've probably, you know, I don't know how many times I've read it and all of us are probably the same way. As you start a story, we already know how it's going to end. But if you think of reading this for the first time, it's like a movie, and you wonder, so what's going to happen here? Because uh, he didn't have a leg to stand on in the sense of coming back to God. Um, you know, it's only God's mercy and his, his love for us, and that's what he's hoping on. So he says, I'll arise and I'll go to my father. So in, at this point, it enters the father. In verse 20, we see the father... He spots his son coming home while he's a far way off. And uh, so this is what, for me, was the best part of my uh, time spent with him, uh, putting this message together, how real this was. And, you know, again, they're just words on a page, but I, I pray this is really uh, what we need to see. This is the father's response. It says he, has a heart, he had a heart full of compassion, he was overjoyed to have his son back. He can't even wait for him to get to him. It says he takes off. It says he takes off running to meet him. And he falls on his neck and embraces him. And without ever speaking a word to him, he shows him how much he loves him. He kisses his neck. I don't know. I've got another example that uh, I saw in the Word because you can say, well, this is just a parable. You know, this, this isn't uh, an actual example, maybe like in the Old Testament of a father loving his son. But um, if you'd turn to uh, Genesis 45 with me, um, I think we're only going to have to turn to about four scriptures, which I had a good good teacher, if you want to say, uh, to give me some advice. I shared, I shared at prison, and I think I had about 30 or so scriptures, and I made those guys turn about every one of them. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, so uh, what, what we're looking at here in Genesis um, 45, it's uh, in line with what Daryl spoke on concerning Joseph, but this time we're going to um, see in this same account um, the father's love for his son. And if we, we, I'm not going to go back, but if we went back earlier when, excuse me, when, uh, when Jacob's sons came back to him to give him the news that, uh, you know, Joseph's dead, um, it said that, it said that uh, Jacob mourned, uh, I think it said greatly, and that 
when the family tried to comfort him, he wouldn't be comforted. And he said, I'll go to my grave mourning the loss of my son. Okay, so now we fast forward and everything that's, everything's happened that Daryl shared, you know, the, uh, the brothers coming. And finally, here, at, here in uh, chapter 45, we have, the, we have the brothers coming home and they're about to tell Jacob that Joseph's not dead. And it's been, I don't know if you figured out how many years, I, I kind of played with numbers a little bit, but so he sold into slavery, and it says that he ruled in Potiphar's house for a period of time, but doesn't say how long uh, before he ends up going to prison for something he didn't do. But it says he spent two years in prison, and then after he came out because of interpreting the dream, he told Pharaoh there would be seven years of plenty and then seven of famine. So we have two and seven is nine, and then it was two years into the famine uh, that all this is going, going on where they're about to meet. So, you know, let's just say Jacob's been mourning the loss of his son, his favorite son, for 12 years, maybe longer. And it says, and they, and they went up out of Egypt, and they came into the land of Canaan, unto Jacob their father, and they told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he's governor over all the land of Egypt. And it says, Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. This was too good to be true. There's no way that this is true. I don't know if he literally fainted. Uh, I wish I could say I looked up the Hebrew or whatever, but even if all it meant is he, is he went, oh, I know it was more than that. I mean, I think he, he just lost it. Like, there's no way. This is a miracle. Um, then the next place I'd uh, like to look. Now, this is Joseph um, seeing his father for the first time. It's in Genesis 46. It says, And Joseph made ready his chariot. He went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen. And he presented himself unto him. And he fell on his neck. And he wept on his neck a good while. And then Israel said unto Joseph, Now let me die since I've seen thy face, because thou art yet alive. There is nothing better that could happen at this point to Jacob than to have seen his son that he thought was dead. It's like get, receiving him back from the dead. So here's the hard part for me to say. Uh, I, I, I say it as an encouragement, but I think everybody in here has lost somebody, um, you know, a friend, a brother, a sister, a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, a child. Um, when I read this and I thought all those years, and then all of a sudden, Jacob gets to see Joseph again. And uh, as I was reading this, I could relate to it. I mean, as you all know, I lost, I lost Carrie. And, uh, and I thought, what would that be like if she walked through that door? And it just was pretty overwhelming at home. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, but you will do that again. All of us, anyone that has loved ones, one day will be face to face. They haven't died. They've left this body, but their soul never stopped living. Jesus said that you'll never die if you believe on him. And uh, one day we'll see him again. So anyhow. That was really an aside. I did, didn't know whether or not to bring that into the equation, but I, th I think it does kind of, for us, hopefully, God's love is so much greater than Jacob's love for his son. And, uh, but that I could relate to.
And I think that's why it's in the Word. But anyhow, jump back to um, what I was saying about uh, how the Father received uh, the prodigal. Uh, you know, this is a picture, I think, of the love of our Father to all those that come to Him. You know, all is forgiven and all is forgotten when we repent. Psalm 103 says, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know, before the son had a chance to finish his repentance, repentance speech, um, and I didn't read that, but I, I read it, but you know, he named a couple things. The last thing he does say is, let me just be your servant. You know, I'm, I'm more than willing to just be in the house and be a servant. But before he ever got a chance to finish, the father interrupts him, and he continues to show his heart by asking the servants to get the, to get the best robe you can and put it on him and put a ring on his finger to put shoes on his feet and kill the fatted calf so we can celebrate and be merry. And, uh, you know, the, the reason, obviously, you know, you say, well, why? Well, it's because in, in, his, in the Father's eyes, we're dead. And now, with him, with his son, he's now alive. You know, he was lost, and now he's found. And, uh, you know, I've thought of, I hope this is okay to say, I, I've thought, uh, you know, we all go through things, whether it's with our children or with friends, and I've thought how... Sometimes I have responded in, in years gone by when a, a child of mine uh, just openly rebels, you know, and uh, everyone that's a parent knows what I'm talking about. It could be just a minor thing, but, or it, it can be big things. And, you know, my heart or our heart, when they repent and say they're sorry, should be, you know, it is, it is forgiven, you know. Um, I feel no different about you before you sinned or after you sinned. That's, that's the heart of the Father, and that's what he wants. That's what he wants from us. Um, let's see, in, in Ezekiel 33, 11, see if you can hear um, the emotion of God's heart as he, as he pleads for Israel. He says, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from his ways and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? You know, that, to me, that, again, that's just a, a father's cry wanting all to come in. In John 6, 37, Jesus said, All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the emphasis here to me is all those that do come to me, I will in no wise cast out. There's no question if we come to God with a broken heart that he will restore us. And so we see the father, the son, and the servant all going off at this point. They're going to go rejoice and make merry with music and with dance. It's, you know, up, at, up to this point, this, this passage right here, it's, it's just like the two previous parables 
of the lost coin and the lost sheep as far as the rejoicing in heaven. But the difference is, in this parable, this time we see the Father, and he's said to be rejoicing also with the servants. So it's like a progression there. The first time it, it just speaks of the rejoicing in heaven. The next time it says there's rejoicing before the angels in heaven. And then in this parable, we, we see the Father. He's the one that orchestrates it. He brings everybody together and wants everybody to celebrate with him that his son's back. And, uh, you know, you think about it, it says he, he, it's, it's the father and the son and the servants at this point. And uh, I kind of picture the servants of the father spiritually as the angels because it says they're ministering spirits. Uh, so then we get, okay, so at this point, we're now down to the last character. That's the, older, the oldest son. So what's going on with him? Well, he's hearing the music and dancing as he comes in from the field, and he finds out that his little brothers come home and that they've killed the fatted calf. So what's his response? Is he like, oh, man, I have missed my little brother. It's been, let's just say it's only been, it's been a year, but he doesn't know, just like the father, he doesn't know if his brother's still alive, how he's being treated, what's going on with him. I mean, this is, I, I come from a family of... Uh, there were six boys and two girls. And I tried to imagine if, if that had happened with, with one of my brothers, all things being equal in, our, in my heart. And uh, I would have been like the father. I, you know, I think we all would be if, if, if something happened to somebody in your family. But that's not how he responds. What's his response? He, he, it says that he was angry and he wouldn't even come into the house to celebrate. He was resentful. He's resentful of how his father is treating his little brother because the father showed mercy and compassion and, and he doesn't see any sign of uh, discipline or you know, making him feel bad. All he does is shows him love. We can see the father's love once again, not just now with the younger son, but with the oldest one, someone tells him that, I don't want to call him Leroy because that sounds disrespectful, but I should have given these guys names. Uh, someone tells him that, hey, uh, while the party's going inside, he said, uh, your oldest son's outside, but he, he's not going to come in. He's upset. And so the father stops <coughs> celebrating with everybody, and he slips on out of the house. And it says that the father, the father comes outside to entreat his son to come in. And uh, I'm not real big on looking up definitions and trying to make something whatever, but I, I did look up entreat. And you know, that, well, that word's totally fine, but there's like three or four other words that are interchangeable in the Greek with this. And the other, one, the other words that it said was to invite, to invoke by imploring, or to beseech, or to exhort. That kind of paints a picture of, you know, come on, come on in here and rejoice with it. Don't, don't be like that. But instead, the, the son doesn't, at that point, the son responds back to the father, and, he's, and he begins to justify how good of a son he's been, how he's always kept the commandments, and, he, and yet you, father, have never treated me like you just treated him. You haven't even given me a goat which, you know, you compare that to the cow, I guess, the calf. You haven't even given me a goat to have, make merry with my friends after all I've done. 
So I think we can see that the big brother has a heart problem also, but he can't see it. You know, he feels justified in his anger and his actions. All he can see is that he's been mistreated. So at this point, uh, I, I, hope, I hope this is a fair rendering, but I, I see the father gently explaining how the son should see things. Once, once again, you know, the first time it's, it's uh, my son. My son was lost and, and now he's found. But when he's talking, I heard a, uh, a preacher teach on this uh, a couple years ago. And, you know, it's funny, just a little change of a word here or there, how you can, uh, you can honestly, if you think about it, see things a little bit differently. You know, this time he's putting it on his son and he says, you know, this is how you should be seeing this. He says, your brother was dead. And now he's alive. He was lost. And now he's found. All right, so we come to the crux of the matter. So what about us? When we've been done wrong, we've been offended, lied about, cheated, or just disappointed by someone, what should be our response? I mean, it's going to happen. It already has to all of us, I'm sure. Uh, someone's let us down or taken advantage of us, said, said things that uh, weren't quite true. Um, I mean, I, I think we all could make a list. I'll leave it at that. So uh, I want us to see how we should respond. So if we could turn to uh, Matthew 5. We'll see, see what Jesus had to say when we got people doing us wrong, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that's how the, uh, I feel that's how the older son felt. He felt his dad had done him wrong. I mean, this is definitely reading into it, but I tried to think of it if it was me. And I thought, well, I might not have just been mad at my dad. I might have been mad that my little brother left and I had to run the farm and I had to do all this and he's out running and partying. So he might have had a little resentment towards his brother also. But anyhow, if, if you look at Matthew 5, um, verse 43, um, this is Jesus uh, speaking uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, but I say unto you, I'll start with verse 43, you've heard that it's been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans do this? But be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So it kind of leaves us without excuse. Um, to me, as I read that, I think that that is the heart of the Father. And we're his children. We're told to love our enemies, so how, how much more? If we're told to love our enemies, how much more should we love each other? Should we love our brothers and our sisters? How much quicker should we be to forgive? You know, uh, 
I, I was thinking on um, John 3.16. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we know how the rest of it goes. I'm, I'm not trying to quote a bunch of scriptures, but if, in seeing that, reading that scripture, I always had that emphasis on God's love. And uh, I didn't so much see the giving part of it. But really, God's love is manifested by giving because in order for us to be forgiven, he had to give his son and die for us. So uh, there, I don't know, I don't know how to put it into words, I guess, but, you know, I, I, see, the, I see the father's love in, in action by giving the son uh, because we were a mess and we needed forgiveness, so he was willing to allow his son to die and suffer like that. Um, so Mark, in Mark eleven twenty five, 25, um, concerning love and forgiveness, you know, we all quote Mark eleven twenty four. We can all quote that, but the next verse says, when you stand praying, forgive if you have any ought against any, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And in Matthew 6, uh, 14 and 15, after uh, we see the Lord's Prayer, he, he, what we call the Lord's Prayer, he tells us this, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's a condition to be met if we want to be in right standing with God. It's not an option. In Ephesians 4.31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Uh, these scriptures that I'm reading are all God's heart. And God is the Father. He's the third person in our example here. Um, Something interesting, you know, there was a number of different things that Daryl shared and they were, um, it's not the same, but it's just funny because that's what I was reading on. I felt the Lord was putting emphasis on and for me was, uh, there's another example in the Old Testament and, and it's Jonah. And, um, you know, he's a lot like the older brother. Uh, and if we could say so, Jonah was a Christian because he was a prophet. And yet, after God forgave Jonah, you know, he ran because he didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. God came after Jonah, just like he does the prodigal and you and me. He comes after Jonah, prepares a, f a fish, I like to say a whale. He prepares a fish. He's down in the belly of the whale and comes to his senses also. And he repents and asks the Lord to forgive him. And God does. And he, and he then sends him out to do what he sent him out to do the first time. So you would think, well, no, this man knows what it's like to... To, to run from God, have a, have a bad heart, and, and get to experience God's mercy and compassion. But the funny thing is, instead, when he goes, <laughs> when he goes to proclaim God's judgment, he doesn't like the results. In Jonah 4.2, he tells God, the reason that I fled to Tarshish is because I knew that you're a gracious God and you're merciful, you're slow to anger and you're of great kindness. In other words, 
the reason I didn't go, it wasn't so much like Greg. He's, I'm just kind of a little embarrassed to get up and talking in front of however many thousands of people are in Nineveh. That wasn't his issue. His issue was, I don't like them. I really don't like them. And so rather than to obey God, he runs. Anyhow, my point being that uh, Jonah, it says that Jonah was very angry that God showed mercy on Nineveh, Nineveh when they repented. We're told in 1 John 3, verse, verse 10, 1 John 3, verse 10 and verse 14, I, instead of quoting the whole thing, I, I basically, if we know what the Bible says, I basically wanted to bring out two things because um, we're dealing with God's love versus ours and how God forgives and sometimes we don't. He said that if we don't love our brother, then we're not of God. And also that if we don't love our brothers, we abide in death. And I, I say this nicely, we need to take that up with the Lord, not with me, because uh, you know, he says if you can't love your brother who you've seen, and how can you say you love me? So you know, we, can, we can sometimes uh, kid ourselves and justify wrong feelings. Um, but my advice through experience, that's not in my notes, but my advice through experience is to take it to the Lord and to ask him for help to love and forgive because, you know, those qualities right there, they're not in us. And it's only by God's spirit uh, dealing with us and allowing us to bring forth the heart of Jesus, of Christ, that uh, we can even do that. Um, you know, I had, I'll go back real far, it's a little bit easier. I, I had a, this experience, personally. Um, uh, okay, so, you know, when, when Care first was sick, and this, so this is years ago, when uh, Care first was sick, um, you know, it went, it went from uh, bad to worse, and... Um, uh, anyhow, so I didn't write down any notes. I just said, give an example. <laughs> so this is, this is what happens when you're not prepared. Uh, uh, so anyhow, um, what ends up happening is uh, uh, Care's in the hospital. She's uh, the first, first week or so. She just, uh, is she going to live? And uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with that, and I have a few little, a few little ones. I have Rachel, Jaden, and Hannah was literally just born right then. And, um, and then in comes my in-laws, and uh, I think any of us can understand. I totally understand. I understood it more as time went on. But they're pretty irate, and they don't know what's happened. And uh, from their side, first of all, I took care from Columbus, uh, away from them, and moved her down here. I, I tied her up and chained her and threw her in the trunk. And, uh, and, then, and then I won't get her medical attention. So that's kind of what I was, uh, I was facing when I talked with her father for the first time. I told him, I gave him a call. and I mean, They all knew everything, but this is like a week into it. I was really trying to give him a, a report on how things were going. And he was real quiet, and when I finally finished what I said, I could, I could hear him just not hyperventilating, but all he was doing was breathing. He wasn't talking 
but I knew he was there. And he, and he finally said, uh, thank you for calling. And he said, if my daughter dies, I'll make sure that you're laying next to her. And he hung up the phone. And I thought, I think he meant that. You know, I really do. I was always looking, when I'd go out into the parking garage, I would always be looking around pillars and columns, and I was always praying. You know, I was already, already always praying, but whenever those thoughts would come in, he, he is ready to kill me. So you talk about unforgiveness, which I totally understood at that point, but I really want to bring it back to me because uh, it kind of went from bad to worse, and I won't get into all of it, but basically one of the, one of the things that happened to me that made me realize that my heart was wrong is uh, there was a... Uh, kind of like a family reunion, uh, a get-together on Carrie's side of the family. But uh, Carrie wasn't driving because <laughs> uh, I wouldn't have gone, to be quite honest with you. I kind of knew how. I mean, it wasn't just the father. They all felt that way. Carrie was the, everybody uh, united around her. She was the, she, she was the thing. <laughs> and uh, so anyhow, uh, uh, when, we, when we got there, I got out of the car, all my kids, and some of their family came over to say hi to us and whatever, and you're kind of making the rounds, and there was her father and a couple of the brothers. It doesn't matter, but basically what happens is I'm saying hi to everybody. Everybody, everybody was cordial, you know. They said hi to me, and I went to shake Carrie's dad's hand, and uh, uh, he, you know, he just was staring at me. He, he, he was, his visage, he was red, because I think he was holding back, hitting me. But he, instead, he just turned his back and walked away from me. And, and uh, that was pretty humbling for me. And, uh, and that's when, for me, I, I know, for me, that it went past not understanding and just try to, uh, you know, be forgiving and whatever to where I was, I was mad. Uh, when I got back in the car that day, that's, that was the beginning of the turning for me to have unforgiveness and, and uh, resentment because I didn't think I deserved it. I never held care against her will. She, she did what she wanted. Um, and I knew all this, but I mean, I couldn't talk the little bit that I did talk. It didn't matter. It still was crazy what we both believed. So anyhow, I, I allowed this bitterness, this resentment, this unforgiveness to enter my heart. And um, you know what the problem is? If you're if you're believing the Lord uh, for something, you're trying to walk with him, he doesn't allow any sin, any known sin to stay there for you to not deal with. You know, we all have, we still have things we're going to change in, but whatever he's dealing with you on, at that point you need to be honest with yourself and ask for help. And uh, so anyhow, I, I knew all of a sudden my, my prayers weren't getting much higher than the ceiling, and uh, I justified it for a while, but it wasn't going away. And at that point, I did what I when I just told you guys, I, I cried out to God and said, Lord, uh, I, I really can't do this on my own. I mean, I want to. I know it's not right, but you've got to take it from me. And I'm not trying to sound super spiritual. This is just how it went. Uh, I was before the Lord quite a bit back then. And uh, it was like an audible voice. He told me to start praying for him. And uh, I was like, okay. <laughs> that isn't too bad. I, I thought I might have to you know, maybe go to him or... Uh, you know what I mean? I, I just wasn't sure. But, you know, when, I, you know, when you're honestly praying and then all of a sudden you go to pray for somebody that you've, I guess you could say I hated, uh, it was really hard. And I realized I can't even pray for him. And so I had to ask the Lord to help me to pray for someone that I don't really love. And as I pray, and he did. And, and for a while it was kind of mechanical. But the more I did it, the more God started softening my heart to the point 
that I started feeling sorry for his family, the whole family, not just, not just the father. And he, and he did a work in my heart, you know, that uh, I could have easily bypassed that. Or if, I'm just being honest, you know, if I hadn't been in a major trial um, and I had that same check in my spirit that, you know, you've got a little problem going on in your heart, you know, how the Lord does. Uh, I would have done just what I did. I would have probably just justified and just went on, you know. But uh, when you need God on your side and you, and you're, uh, you know he's faithful, you've got to make sure you're being faithful. We're not earning anything. We're just keeping the channel clear. Anyhow, that was that. That's, so now my question, now it, now it comes to you guys. So where are you? Are you... Like the Father, are you pressing in to be like Jesus? Because that's our first character, the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we're told to be like him, to follow in his steps. I don't have a whole lot to say about that first, that first person because all of us in here who have a heart to please the Lord doesn't mean we're perfect. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about a heart that wants to please God. Uh, then you'll do, you know, like what I was just saying. If you're, if you're checked in your spirit about something going on in your life or whatever, you'll deal with it. Or are we like the older brother who's, who's harboring anger and resentment and unforgiveness? You know, he, he also needed to see that he needed forgiveness himself, but he really, he, you know, as I read that, I don't see that in him. You know, maybe, maybe when the father spoke to him, you know, and said, look, you know, come inside, your brothers, it might have woke him up. I don't, I don't know if it did or it didn't. I just know uh, as, as Christians, there's times, it's like what I gave the example of myself, where you can still have something in your heart that the Lord wants to deal with. But until we see our need uh, for forgiveness, we'll not receive the full benefits of being in the family of God and will not enjoy the intimate relationship that we should be having with, with the Father. I mean, that's why he, he created us to have fellowship with him. And he's always standing there. This is how I see him. I don't see him, I don't see him like this anymore. I, I see him like this. I really do. Uh, you know, I used to, uh, this isn't in my notes. This, this is true, though. I, I used to, early on, when I missed it, I knew, I knew uh, uh, you know, need to get things right with the Lord. I, I would kind of do about everything but just go before him, get on my knees, and ask him to forgive me. You know, I, I realized somewhere along the way, this sounds so basic, but just because I'm running around and doing whatever, it's not like he's not going to know that I sinned until I get on my knees and repent. I mean, he, he saw me doing or saying or not doing whatever it was that he was requiring of me, and yet I tried to do everything besides just stop and be honest with myself. And that's because I had a wrong image of God. I didn't see him calling me, you know, wanting fellowship with me and, and wanting to relieve me of this burden that I was carrying. So the last character, obviously, is the prodigal son. And, and uh, we know that, that this character here was totally no relationship whatsoever with the Lord. He, he's just a, a full-blown sinner. You know, he, he, he doesn't know anything about the Lord. And that, and that can be us, you know, we're doing our own thing. Um, you know, I'm not up here to preach a salvation message, but anybody 
who's, who doesn't know the Lord. Uh, I'm not so naive. I'm a little bit older now. That, uh, because you know, Brother Tom used to say it all the time, just because you're in a barn, it doesn't mean you're a cow. And I kind of always thought that was a good way of looking at everybody sitting in church. You know, it doesn't mean we're all Christians because we're listening to the word or we nod our heads or we raise our hands. Um, so there could still be people here that aren't saved. And, and you've got to see that. You've got to see your lost condition. Well, you know, I'm not even going to go through, this, through the steps, but it is really simple. You know, salvation, we make it complicated, but really it's just a matter of seeing yourself, how God sees you uh, as a selfish person who, who has no think you have no need for God or you don't care about spiritual things. And, you know, if that is you, all they ask of any of us is to come to him with a, with a, broken, and, a broken heart and admit to him that you're a sinner. You know, we ask the Father to forgive us because of what Jesus did for us. We've got to believe that Jesus took away the punishment that we deserved and that he bore our sins. And so we, we want him to be our savior. We want to give our lives to him. You've got to turn, obviously, from your wicked ways. It's not just a matter of asking forgiveness, but it's a change of your heart, obviously, too. In Psalm 51, 17, this is David once again. He says that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. And I've always loved this scripture because, uh, you know, to me, this, you know, whether you're just starting off or you've been on the path for a while, Proverbs 28:13 says that he that covers his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes it, they shall have mercy. So I haven't had you turn to a bunch of scriptures. I may have quoted maybe too many. I don't know. But if we turn to, I've got one more scripture I'd like us to see. Um, and, you know, again, it's, it's Psalm 103. And um, if we were to do a little, like a little, you know, you win $100 if you answer this question. Who can quote for me? I, probably half the hands would go up. But, and, and that's kind of my fear um, when I started out the message or maybe when I prayed. But I know this is what I was thinking at home when I was preparing it. Because, like, to me, uh, this was so real. And then when I put it on paper and I quote, unquote, rehearsed it, it was dry as crackers, and I thought, Lord, you've got to put life into your word because, you know, I hate my voice, you know. So anyhow, so if we can look at Psalm 103, and we'll start with verse 1 and 2. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. You go down to verse 8, it says, The Lord is merciful, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, and he's plenteous in mercy. He'll not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He's not dealt with us after our sins, nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us, like in this last verse, you know, because they're talking about the father, it says, just like a father pities his child, so the Lord pities them that fear him. 
I don't know. So for me, I, I, uh, I hope that you can see. I mean, I know we know, we know God, we know the Father, but I hope you can maybe see a little more so the heart of the Father and uh, maybe be a little quicker to repent and come to him because he really is, at, he doesn't want us to wallow in our sin. Uh, that's not like your chastisement to wallow in your sin. If he's going to chasten you, you'll know it. But he wants to restore fellowship as quick as possible. So now these are just some closing comments, that, uh, things that popped in my head. I thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and say them because, you know, uh, one of them is as an encouragement to any of us. You know, it would be far better now to bow our knee and kneel before him and ask him for forgiveness and to have mercy on us. Because the scripture says one day every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that he's Lord. But that one day that he's talking about, that's after this life. And then sinner and saint alike is going to have to acknowledge because you can't but acknowledge. But if you wait until that time, you're saying that right before you depart from him. And uh, I think it'd be far better while he's, the offer's there and we're still breathing to consider how we stand, you know, not see God and uh, uh, the Father as someone to fear in the sense of be afraid of, of uh, his affection or his love for us. Because, God, you know, this is just, you know, if, uh, I'm not good with words, but if, uh, if the scripture or, or the Father was a diamond with all these cuts in it, I'm just touching on one little side. So, you know, there's all the other sides of uh, God's character and attributes. So, uh, People here have been well taught, so you know I'm not I'm not the the, the love preacher, but love is is the uh, central uh, that God's holiness of the message of the Bible. Well, we sang this, and this was another. It's funny because it wasn't uh, anything. It had to do with my notes. It was just me sitting there thinking about things, and I and I kind of was thinking. So what what are you saying? And um, I wrote this down, that true peace comes from knowing that it is well with my soul. And we sang that and uh, made it a whole lot easier for me to walk up here when things like that happened because that was not something I was, it's not even in the Bible, that terminology, but I was just kind of before the Lord, you know, like, so how, how Lord, how do I close this out? It, it, you know, I, I, I brought up things that maybe don't make us too comfortable um, you know, dealing with unforgiveness or resentment or maybe a lack of love for my brother. And yet, uh, I really thought as I was preparing that it was an encouraging message, but when I got to the end of it, I thought, Lord, is that, is that too hard? And um, I realized that all I'm doing is just pointing out a few of the requirements that proves that you're his child because you're trying to please him. And I just used love and forgiveness because that's what I saw in the text coming from the Father. And I knew we were supposed to be like him. So I'm not picking on anybody, but if the shoe fits, put it on because uh, it'll be well with you if you deal with things. There's one other scripture, and um, this was kind of a, again, this is kind of a closing thought um, to try and see uh, the Lord's heart. And it's 2 Peter 3, 9, where it says the Lord's not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, 
but he's long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Um, too many things go through your mind. You wonder what you should or shouldn't say. But um, So let's say I'm done preaching. So now I just want to just, uh, just say something. I've, I've been here at this church for... Uh, see, this didn't rehearse, so I'd have to... I'll, I'll just say I know it's been more than 30 years. And uh, I say this to our shame, you know, not to anybody, but, you know, one of the greatest things um, that any of us can tell someone is that God forgave me. And yet, uh, a lot of times, I wonder, you know, the testimonies are great, but I'm just amazed that no one in here has ever sinned. And uh, you know, David said that he would magnify God uh, when, he, when he got to experience forgiveness. He was going to tell everybody about it. And I, and I include myself, you know. Uh, the greatest thing that's ever happened to us and that will ever happen through this walk is to be in fellowship with the Lord. And um, I mean, it really is. If you've not experienced it, um, then it's, it's like trying to explain something that you have to put in front of you, and we can't. We can only, we can only live it. I think I, I said earlier that I've, I've sat here and uh, um, heard the word, and I knew, I knew it was right. And, and really, that's why I kept coming. It wasn't so much that it was um, at that point. <laughs> it wasn't changing me. It kind of... You know, if you don't act on it, it can kind of condemn you. But uh, I guess, you know, we don't know till we get on the other side, but I guess it's because I am one of his children, and I was just a backslider. I, I you know, I got caught up in whatever, and uh, I could have just as easily been um, one of the examples in the peril, parable of the sower and the seed. I could have been, I could have been the one that was caught up in the world and, and having a big time, or maybe I thought my trials were a little too hard, so uh, I'm going too. But at this point, and I believe under the end, that I'm, I'm that last example of someone with a good and honest heart that God's got a hold of me, and when I get off track, he's going to spank and I'm going to listen. And uh, I just... I really, I mean it with all my heart. Uh, I pray that anybody in here uh, you know, we all have our out, outward shell and no one knows anything, but maybe he didn't mean it this way, but I think the Lord did. Uh, the water looks calm on the top, but inside there's all kinds of things going on. Um, and we need to respond to it. And the last thing we should do is be ashamed or embarrassed that I've sat here for 8, 10, 15, 20 years and I'm not really 100% sure that I've given my heart to the Lord because everybody that's in here should be just like the servant with the Father and be all excited when somebody gets their heart right. It doesn't matter what your age is, whether you've never been saved or you're just uh, 
you know, just kind of treading water. You're not really seeking the kingdom, but, but you're staying out of gross sin. So anyhow, that's all I've got to say. I, I appreciate everybody uh, putting up with my stammering. I also want to say, maybe I did. I don't know if I even did. This is how the brain works right now. But thank, thanks to all of you. Um, uh, however, however this went, it would have been a whole lot worse without all your prayers. So I appreciate it. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, I just, uh, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love and uh, the realization that your heart goes out to us, that you're looking for us, and you're not sitting back there uh, with a condemning attitude, but you love us so much that you sent Jesus. And I just pray that you would, um, uh, Lord, help us as we seek you with our feeble attempts to find you. I thank you for the mercy that you've shown all of us because we're all still here. I thank you, Lord, for helping me to uh, bring forth your word. And uh, just thank you that you'll go with us as we leave here. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.